Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you, wherever you are listening. Thank you so much for joining us here again for episode number four of The Standard Paradox. My name is David Hall. You see, I nailed the intro this time. Yeah, that's right. Didn't get the name wrong. (laughs) We're off to a great start. Uh, My name is David Hall. I am, of course, joined, as always, by the wonderful Connor Moon. Yep. How you doing, man? Dude, I am. I'm doing well. This is going to be fun. Uh, I enjoy talking with our guests, and so I think it's going to be a great podcast. Yeah, I'm excited. You're uh, uh we are joined by the evanescent Brian Vance. Mm. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's good to be here with y'all. Yeah, it's oh. great. You are um you are our first nighttime guest. On the standard paradox, yeah. we're recording this at uh, what time is it? It's it's pretty late. Eight oh nine. It's eight oh nine in the evening. Um, we're here. Uh, we did st- uh, we did plan on doing this a little bit earlier, but Brian had more important <laughs> things to do. No, so. no, 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 not more important. <laughs> it just went a little over. Had a little more planned than than we could get through. So you were coaching, right? Yes. Yeah, coaching baseball, and so uh, at Bowden High School, and we uh, were scrimmaging and competing and things like that, and it just. Uh, we were competing, so I let it keep going. Good um, competing? Well, you know, at the end, it was actually me pitching versus um, some of our other guys, and they got to choose who competed against me. And some of them touched me up pretty good, but I did I did finish out with a strikeout. So. Hey, Ooh. look at that. Did you who, call it then? I was going to say, like, who? It's over now? I did not call it. No, oh, okay. it was, it was, there was uh, three guys, and they all got two ABs, two at-bats against me. And uh, the last one was a front-door curveball. Who was right, calling the uh, balls and strikes? My assistant coach. Um, he was. Yeah. Was Sounds like, like there could have been some dodgy calls going on there. Let's say like Brian calling like this. Stri- <laughs> no, I made sure that didn't. <laughs> oh, that was definitely a strike. <laughs> they'll, they'll call me out on that pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> pretty quick. I uh, I've been, I've been, sort of. I mean, by necessity, basically living in the greater Atlanta area, been forced into learning baseball over the last you know eighteen months. Atlanta Braves mm-hmm. winning winning it all. World yep. champions, baby. World champions of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, I mean, but. it would have been North America, however, this year with COVID, there was no Canada team. So, Is there Did, usually a Canada team? Toronto. The Blue Jays. Wait, they didn't play at all? They didn't play in Toronto. They played in a different location. Okay, I was going to say, so they, but they still had a team. They and, did, they did. Right, okay, okay. So, well, but hey, I mean, they did a great job. I always like to say now that I am the greatest gift that Georgia slash Atlanta has ever received in regards Mm. to sports because (laughs) there was this unbelievable drought with the Braves, with Georgia football, the Bulldogs. I know this might hurt you, Connor, to talk about, but like I am their salvation. I arrive here. Look, it might sound like I'm tr- like you know tooting my own horn here, but the the logic exactly. speaks for itself. <laughs> I arrive, the drought ends. You can't deny it. Exactly, it, may, it just makes perfect sense. Has what Kirby he, called you yet, or is it? Well, just, no, I, okay. I I'm operating under the radar. I think he's trying uh, to find David because he's been going to like Villarica and Hurt. He's County. been in the he's area been all around. That's he's trying true. To find him. He can't yeah, find true. him. I am a free agent coming up. You just shoot <laughs> so, up a player. Well, I'm just going to kind of pitch myself to different states. Free agent like, look charm. Y'all want to win? Sign me up. I'll just, I don't even need to play. I just need to be in the local area. I need a legal address. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. That's all I need. I just need an address, <laughs> a, po- a bank a account. <laughs> be- oh, that's good. That's a how it's going to work. Yeah. And I'm going to be a millionaire. Mm. You guys are welcome to come with me if you like. Yeah. But um, yeah, if anybody's out there listening to this who uh, needs a championship, just let me know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. David know. is for hire. <laughs> anyway, um, we are a uh, we actually are, believe it or not, a uh, a spiritually um, kind of led uh, aimed podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, we we kind of like to speak every week about people's different experiences with faith, how they've uh, you know. Um, adjusted to different circumstances in their lives where they may be expected to be one thing and not another. Um, had a great success with it so far. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian, you are, our, I believe, our first official teacher on the podcast. You know, Luke, you would c- maybe consider a teacher of sorts 
Mackenzie as well, you know, being a middle school leader, but you are our first in the classroom yep. at a public school teacher. On the battlefield. I <laughs> So I hear. Oh, yeah. Why don't you, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about that, how you got into that maybe, and uh, you're still doing that today, so... Yes, I actually today had a visit from a former student, um, former player, who was going to shadow me for a little while. And it was interesting. I was reflecting with him today. He's like, how did you get into teaching? And uh, I was like, well, my mom was my number one answer. She taught for 32 years at FSS Elementary School in Heard County. And she's probably my inspiration for doing what I do. Mm. Um, she's incredible. Um, loved, loved on kids. I just watched her love on kids for so much, so much of my life. Um, and then loved math and got into high school and uh, started learning high school math. And I had a high school math teacher, um, Linda Hurst, and she just loved on me, taught me all four years, which doesn't happen. All four years? Same teacher? All four years. She just somehow walked all the way up with our class. Wow. All the way up through the, through the years. Um, Thank God you got on. Yeah. It, yeah. And so, so she was really the one that told me, you need to teach high school math. And I was like, nah, I'm going to play baseball. <laughs> yeah, right. Come on, I'm not going to be a teacher. Come on. Um, but, you know, it, it, it was kind of my backup plan. And, you know, I wanted to be a major league baseball player. Mm-hmm. Of course, we didn't have Twitter, Instagram, and all that kind of stuff to see what all these Division One and major league players do. And anyway, so I ended up going to UGA and got on as a student manager up there. And what is that? So student manager is, and Coach Perno gave me a lot of actual responsibility probably that wasn't really student manager-ish, but really kind of help out with equipment and get to know the players and help them out and whatever their needs are um, as far as like batting gloves, bats, um, take care of laundry, getting uniforms ready, that kind of thing, and really traveling with the team wherever they go. Okay. And uh, Coach Perno, was, uh, he knew I wanted to be a coach, and so – you know, once I got into UGA and I decided I wasn't going to play at the next level um, because I wanted to go ahead and pursue my teaching and coaching career, he allowed me to kind of jump in and start helping out a little more than what a manager would, kind of as an assistant. And I'm, I'm forever grateful That's for him awesome. for allowing me to do that. And so I got to throw BP to some guys that are still playing, that are playing in the big leagues now. Um, Gordon Beckham, um, Rich Poitras is one of my favorites to throw to all the time. Um, Josh Fields, like all those guys that played at UGA, Colby May. Um, that, that's a dude we need to come back to and talk about. He's a spiritual influence in my life big time. But uh, met Colby there at UGA as well and um, just really got my start probably in understanding what it was like to coach and to be around the game almost 24-7. Mm. And, and so anyway, doing all the dirty work, doing the laundry, doing things like that, but trading off and being able to, you know, instruct some outfielders, instruct some infielders and um, hitters and things like that. I just got to learn a lot about the game. And so four years of doing that um, – Got my first job in Jackson County, which is just up there north of Athens um, at where UGA is, and taught and coached for six years in Jackson County up there, and that was a really awesome uh, – it kind of reminds me of this area. It, uh, Jackson County and Carroll County remind me a lot of each other. Um, there's, a, there's a city in Jackson County called Jefferson, and, like, there's a city, you know, in Carroll County, Carrollton, very similar in build and also in, like, I guess ruralness. Yeah. With the people, and the people are so nice up there. People are so nice here. Like, it's really seemed like we were at home, but just up there. And so, anyway, that that was my start into coaching officially in a school. And so I taught math and science, actually, at a middle school level. And then God did some things in our life and, and moved us back down this way and uh, ended up teaching and coaching at Central High School for two years and then landed at Bowden back at the alma mater where mm-hmm. I graduated from. And so that's where I'm at now, my fourth year. So what – what was that? What do you think that coach saw in you? Who 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 was the UGA coach you were talking about? Uh, coach Perno. Perno. David, David so Perno. David Perno. So you, you said he doesn't usually. That's not a usual manager kind of responsibility right. for some stuff you were doing. What was that that made him? Honestly, I think it's because I could throw the ball where I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> like throwing yeah. BP is a big deal. Like throwing BP and what is that? So BP's batting practice, and okay. so throwing a ball to a guy that's trying to hit and doing it a lot and doing it accurately so that the hitters can kind of feel what they're doing and they can hit consistently over over a period of time. And uh, I was out there throwing one day, and he's like, you should, you should throw BP. I was like, all right, cool. So I got up there, and I did a really good job at it. And I was eager to learn, too, and I think that maybe he, you know, saw that, 
I was eager to get into it. Plus, he knew I wanted to coach, and I think he wanted to help me out. And I think he really wanted to help me in my career to be able to get some experience at that level, which, I mean, that's a totally different level than what I'm coaching at right now. Um, but it was really good experience. Yeah. Do you have any um, – did you have – so you, you got into, you know, teaching. Were you getting into teaching with, you know, the understanding that you also wanted to be a coach, or mm -hmm. was it a – I want to be a teacher first and then the coaching is going to kind of be a side thing or was it almost like a 50-50 type deal? Because, so, you know, you talk about how much you love baseball. Oh, and yeah. That was your passion in life. Mm -hmm. Was the coaching aspects that came with teaching a big kind of factor and you wanted to become a teacher? So the, you know, really it's a calling. And because when you're in school, they, when you're junior year and senior year, they allow you to go and I guess shadow, but they call it practicum. Uh, student teaching, that kind of thing. Okay. And you go out and you basically shadow kind of what you're going to be doing one day. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of people will find out this is not what I want to do because they get into the classroom. And they're like, holy cow, this is crazy. Like this, I, <laughs> I don't want to wrangle kids all day. It's not what I want to do. Yeah. Um, but for me, I got into it and I really enjoyed being around the kids um, I was actually at two completely different locations. Um, one was right in the middle of Clark County um, in Athens, which was, was a very poor area, um, very diverse student body. And I was in a sixth grade classroom, and there was all kinds of behavior modifications going on. There was, I mean, I mean kids with all kinds of disabilities and, and special needs and things like that. And I was just, I, I was like, this is where I need to be. Wow. Um, and then my last placement was at a school that was in um, Oconee County and it was um, not quite as, not quite as many students with, with special needs, things like that. But I was in an honors class and some regular classes, things like that, and still connected with those kids too. And I was like, all right, well, this, this is cool, man. Like, this is what I want to do. Um, and, and realizing that I could then use that as a ministry type tool, um, just create relationships with kids and then bring, you know, that, I guess, mentality into it that I can be a Christian in the classroom without having to talk about the Bible. And so I guess for me, for me and my wife always reminds me anytime I get a little bit into, too into coaching, she's like, remember you're, you being a teacher is what is the bigger salary. Like the whole, the coaching thing <laughs> is not, it's not like if teaching was gone, the coaching would not pay the bills. Right. And so, you know, teaching is obviously what we do. And coaching is just part of that. And so, you know, it, a lot of times I was talking to that same student I was mentioning today and he was asking me, you know, what's the hardest thing for you? And I was like, priorities, um, understanding that the classroom is first mm -hmm. and then coaching is second. And that's so hard, especially in the season to, to I'll bet. put coaching on the back burner to make sure that my kids understand the math that I'm teaching because also have a reputation and the school has a reputation that's going to rely on my coaching as well. Yep. And so it's really hard to prioritize that. Oh, you would hate me, man. I sucked at math so bad. <laughs> I probably I love sucked. you. Then. I probably love you. Then. I don't think so. Yeah, I love to help the ones that like have no clue. And, and you know, but like, here's my, math. here was my thing though. I don't know if you guys ever experienced this. I was really good in the classroom when it came to the test, everything just vanished. I was like, in class, you know, you know, each day we would do it. You know, you'd learn a new thing. Pythagoras theorem today. Yep. Getting every single question right. Or practice tests. Comes to the, the end of year or like end of term exam. Not a clue. Vanished. It happens. I We're hate actually it. actually doing Pythagorean theorem right now, actually. Hey. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What a coincidence. That's one that uh, I've told the kids that I have actually used that in my real life. No way. Yeah. On the baseball field? Nope. Well, kind of, actually. So, before before turf fields were a thing, right, football coaches would, in order to square off their sidelines, would use the Pythagorean theorem. They would find out what they wanted their distance of their like end zone to be, width, and then they would measure out how, how long the football field needed to be. And then they would draw a diagonal, which would be your hypotenuse, right? Right. For your Pythagorean theorem. And then they would set up the Pythagorean theorem and figure out how long that needed to be for it to be square. See, I'm just hearing words right now. <laughs> well, in another way, I used I used it building a chicken coop, believe it or not. As you do. To square off my <laughs> the base of my chicken coop. So <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've used it some too. 
I, I, I couldn't I can't tell identify you. like those moments, but I out of all the um, algebra and pre-calc that I had, definitely use Pythagorean theorem much you, more. You know, in England we call it maths, and out here it's Plural. math. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was like, oh, I've got maths today. Mm. What's it like to say it wrong the whole time? <laughs> well, the, the, I always say, you know, it's because it's, it's mathematics. You know, it's not mathematic. Yeah. Well, I guess you could say that. I've got a mathematic class. I'm just going to start saying maths yeah. at school. All right. It's time for maths. Yes, I'm going to do that and see how many kids. I Let me tell you, I got a B me. in maths at GCSE, and that was my most proudest. That was my proudest grade. <laughs> and I did well. I got A star, five A's, four B's at my GCSEs. And I won't get into GCSEs and A-levels because we'll be here all night. <laughs> but that a B in maths was my proudest. Pr- actually, that and the a, a I got in English literature, which my teacher hated me and I hated her. <laughs> so that A showed her. <laughs> it did. You won. Proved wrong. That's yeah, she, right. I mean, she, she sent me out a bunch. She even marked my coursework down on purpose, I might add. <laughs> but we digress. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you said something really interesting while ago. That was... Um, how you've adapted, if you will, okay, that may be the wrong word, but you've or you've learned how to uphold these Christian values and continue to be that uh, that Christian man in the classroom without the Bible. What is that? I've I've seen some teachers do that, but I, I want to hear your perspective on kind of how that how you go about doing that. And yeah, it's it's interesting it. because it really lines up with you know Midway's belief and and life group model to be honest, um, because it's all about relationship. And, you know, it is true. These kids don't care anything about what I say until there's a relationship. They don't. And so this year I, try, I, try, I did try a little bit of a different approach this year. I, the first few weeks of school or a week of school, all I did was build relationship. Like I didn't do any math, nothing, none of that. I bet they loved um, that. They Well, yeah, they kind of did, but they were also uncomfortable because they had to talk to each other. Right. Um, and, and they had to, share like I, I literally I cried um probably twice during the first week of school never done that before and it was because I had kids get in a circle and they had to share um just something about themselves that that I guess other people didn't know mm. um, Dang. and they had to share maybe what their motivation was I think that was one of the questions too and you know there were a few kids that said like I want I want to be successful this year because I want to graduate from high school and I want to put my family in a better position than than I am right now. And so like that was some real connection. And so then, you know, the rest of the year, um, for example, one of those people was one of our star athletes. And so I was able to hold him accountable, you know, throughout the rest of the year. Like, hey, man, remember, remember what you said that first week of school? Like you're trying to make a better life for your family one day than what you've experienced yourself. Um, I was like, ah, coach, I appreciate that. You know, and that's that's a lot bigger than math. And that lends itself to that kid will come to you when they want to talk about something that has nothing to do with math. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've had a few experiences with students that I've taken the time to listen to whenever I really probably didn't want to or um, – really was trying to focus on whatever I was doing at my desk or trying to get some grades in or plan or whatever and focus, just look at them and just listen to what they have to say. And, you know, I, I had a kid the other day tell me, you know, I really feel like you're the only teacher that cares about wow. what I'm saying. And I was like, well, I said, no, there's other good teachers here that care. Um, she's like, well, I feel like you're the only one that hears me. And I was like, wow. Okay. And so that must have me, been a great moment for you, man. It, got chills again. I mean, it, it, I'm like, wow. Um, now whether or not I'm making a difference, I don't know as far as like sharing the gospel because I haven't got to that point yet, but sure. The thing is, I guess, is try to live like Jesus. Um, so that, you know, we can create relationships with these kiddos and when they go through a hard time, they know, you know, I can go talk, I can go talk to coach Vance. Like he's, he's somebody I can go talk to. Um, and so she'll, you know, it's one particular student I'm thinking about, like she'll share with me, just various things that's going on. Um, I think, you know, she was talking about wanting to drop out like this morning and she came to me and told me she didn't. And I was like, well, that's good. She's like, well, I don't feel like anybody else cares about that. I'm like, well, 
I do. Like, there's a lot of people that care about you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of students right now that, due to you know COVID and being isolated, that they just they're 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 reaching. They just want relationship. They want to mm-hmm. talk. They want somebody to care, um, because. You know, I, I don't know what's going on at home. I mean, you have no idea to know what's going on in every, you know, seat in that room. But there's a lot of stories out there. Yeah, a lot of stories out there, and I know you see it with the online ministry too. That I mean, there's stories behind those faces. Yeah, and we just don't know. We don't know what they are, and we won't know what they are until we create a relationship. Yeah, with yeah. that person. Um, and, and you know, school doesn't offer itself the you know availability to really share the gospel. Nor should it be. I mean, there's a, you know, separation Agreed. there for a reason. Um, and I don't want to have a captive audience that I'm preaching to, you know. Yeah. But my players know that they can come to me. My players know that, you know, I've I've put people. Um, we got a pastor, Pastor Richards, who's the pastor at Bound Baptist, and he does our devotionals. And so they know they have him, they have me, um, they have other people they can come to to talk about that. But you know, it all starts re- with relationship. Yeah. How how is it, you know? Being a, a Christian teacher, and you know, I, I understand that you know, as a teacher at a you know a government school, you can't just come into class every day and be like, "I'm a Christian. This is what I believe." But you know, obviously, you're trying to live to a certain standard that you hold to yourself. You know, to 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 love on people, to you know, see people for who they are, not to judge. You're getting, you know, you've got hundreds of kids there. But I mean, how many kids are at Bowden? So we've got just. Shy of 400. Okay. And so you probably see a you know, decent portion of those kids and have a personal relationship with those kids. They're probably going to look to you not only as a teacher, but somebody that they respect on a daily basis to give them advice, no matter what they're going through. If you're having a bad day or a bad time, a bad season, how, how do you as a Christian man, deal with those expectations and have, you know, have to wrestle with trying to put on a brave face every single day and be the person who those kids want. And, you know, like you said, sometimes need you to be, Hmm. even though it might be hard for you. Yeah. Um, And for me, it's this time of year, you know, it's when baseball's going in full swing and, and, and things like that, where I've got all kinds of responsibilities that are going on. Um, I mean, we don't have kids yet, so that's that's something that probably helps. Um, but it, it's one of those things where that's kind of what you do the job for. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like you walk into that room and it's like, all right, armor's on, ready to roll. Um, but I think being vulnerable with the kids, too, and letting them know, like, look, like I'm struggling right now. Um, I, I luckily have not gotten to that point, but I have gotten to a point where I've been like, guys, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a little off this week. Like, there's a lot going on. Just give me a little grace. Um, and they do, like they understand that. Uh, we recently had a teacher who's um, we've been praying for really hard. She's at the Mayo Clinic right now, trying to figure out what's going on with with a lot of pain she's having. And I told my fifth period the other day, I was like, "Hey, um, let let's y'all just keep um, our you know teacher in mind because she's having a lot of pain, uh, trying to figure it out. She's been out a lot. They've been asking about her, and you know they care. They they notice. They're like, you know, something's something's up." And two of my baseball players were like, Coach, can we can we pray for her today? I was wow. Like, well, yeah. I mean, at the end of, end of practice every day, we pray. And we it's a volunteer thing. I'm like, you know, we all kind of, you know, we say touch a winner. So we, we kind of touch each other. And it's kind of scary for a while. I couldn't do that with COVID. But, um, you <laughs> know, and then I asked for volunteers. Anybody want to lead us? And they volunteered that day. And they prayed for her. Wow. And it was pretty powerful. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, I mean, these kids, man, they feel it. They they once you create a relationship with them, you can be real with them, and they understand and they get it. And so it's just, I don't I don't think we trust our kids with that a lot. I think we a lot of times we we just consider them me me included um, little machines that are just learning math, learning English, learning science, whatever. But there's so much more than that that we're missing out on that, you know, because of because of COVID, because of things like that. Um, these kids are missing out on a lot of connection that they haven't had. And to me, you know, math's important, of course, and I'm going to teach the standards that I need to teach. But above that, I'm going to connect with these kiddos because they, they need that and I need it too. Um, I just, to be honest, I, I just, I've been fortunate not to have gone through things that have affected my ability to teach, if that makes sense. 
so I haven't gone through like a, a big tragedy to where I've not been able to come in and do my job. Right. Um, and so, but I, I know some coworkers that have, and that have gone through some things that are tough and have seen kids be tremendously supportive um, of them and, and just, you know, loving on them. Just like, I mean, they'll return what you give to them. You know, you give them love, you give them respect, and you create that relationship, they return it. Yeah. And, it and it's very rewarding. That, that's, that's the part that's rewarding is is that relationship mm-hmm. and, you know there's there's a saying that you know it's not about the number of wins as a coach it's about the number of weddings you get invited to <laughs> wow. so i mean that you know i haven't quite coached kids long enough to where they're starting to get married off yet right some of them are starting um and you know some of the closer relationships i have are, are some of these kids that are that are starting to kind of find their way so hey that's cool. tough too man because like in that moment you know, each season, you're not counting the potential weddings you might get no. invited to, you know, no. you're counting the dubs. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I always joke with my wife. I'm always like, you know, hopefully one day we'll have a family and stuff. And I already know I'm going to be that dad who's on the sideline yelling at the ref, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm like, do, do, do you ever like, you know, have to catch yourself? You know, you, you mentioned that Amanda, your wife, you know, sometimes reminds you, you know, it's about the teaching, not mm-hmm. about the the baseball, because the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you know, I I you know even when I'm watching the football at home, sometimes I catch myself. I'm like, oh man, I'm getting too angry. You know, mm-hmm. got to remind myself. Got to be a big. I got to be. You know, got to relax. This is not who I am. Do you ever find just like catch yourself? You know, I don't want to say like going against your principles because that's not what I mean. Um, I've got an example for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. All uh, right, go ahead. So this was my last year. In Jackson County. So this would have been, whew, I guess, six years ago now. Um, so I was six years there. This is my sixth year back here, back here home. And I was in my last year. We were in a playoff run, and uh, we were in the first round um, at Rockmart. And very emotional game. This was uh, game – this was game one. No, this was game two, game two. So we had lost game one. Pretty big, actually. We kind of made a habit of that. We'd lose games. So you play a three-game series in the playoffs, best of three. And so the first team to win two games moves on. Gotcha. And so anyway, we had lost the first game big, like bad. And uh, we were in the second game, real tight game. Um, our our head coach had already been restricted to the dugout, so there's kind of a, a process. <laughs> like the umpires would be like, all right, you need to be quiet. And then they'll say, all right, well, we're restricting you to the dugout. Well, the next step after that is you get tossed. And that's a fine. They have to write it all up. You got to sit out for two games to get ejected from a game. Now, when they toss you, do you still get to yell at them from the cage, from outside the cage, or so, do you have to like actually leave? So they make you leave and go get like I had to go get on the. Anyway, let me get there. All right, so <laughs> so he already gets restricted to the dugout, and so we had to play in the middle of the field. Anyway, basically, um, we were about to, we were trying to turn double play, and their player slid and made contact with our player. Um, supposed to be automatic double play if it's you know contact that's on purpose anyway he, he calls it safe or whatever he was out at second but he called no interference and so i go out to argue because our our head coach is restricted the dugout so i had to go argue next man up yep and i was already coaching third anyway and so uh i went out there to argue and he didn't give me the answer i wanted to hear it was i mean we, it was emotional we, we were tight it was either we were i think we were down by one so, i mean it was like you need we don't it. yeah if we don't come back if we don't get momentum here like we're done and that group of seniors was special. I mean, there were 12 of them. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. And so, anyway, so I go out there, and, and when I left, when I started to walk away, I was, I was fired up, and he had kept his composure as well. And I didn't get the answer I wanted. And so as I turned to walk away, I asked him what, it, what prescription his glasses were. And he tossed me. <laughs> oh, no. Immediately. Yeah. So, yes, my principles were violated in that moment. Was that why you just wrestling with the Holy Spirit inside of you? You're like, don't say it, don't say it, Absolutely. don't say it. Absolutely. I had, I had done so good, and I was like, prescription are your glasses. Like, almost not even loud enough to where I thought he could hear me. And, like, apparently he tosses me from behind me. So here's where I lost my mind. I, I, I get about to the mound. I was like, you know what? I've been tossed. I'm going to go back and figure out why. How much worse can it get? I knew why. So anyway, <laughs> I, start, I start running back toward him. A home plate umpire comes after me, tries to get in between me and him, like chest bumps me. I was no like, way. dude, why are you touching me? Like oh, I start, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah like, why are you touching me? <laughs> and uh, he's trying to get my way. So I actually juke and then spin move <laughs> around him, get to the other umpire that tossed me out. 
and um, I'm I'm kind of fun. I'm like, why wow, do this for the kids? Like you're hurting the kids, you know, all that kind of stuff. And 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 I feel an arm or somebody grabbed me pretty pretty strongly on my arm. I assumed it was the other umpire, so I jerk my arm away. I keep talking, and then somebody grabs this arm and that arm, and I look around and there's three uh, policemen. <gasps> no, <laughs> not dressed oh, in no. uniform, but they're, they've got like their polo shirt on with a little badge on. No it. way. So I was like, I'm good, I'm good. Meanwhile, this moment, my mother, which my wife's not at this game, she couldn't make it to trip, she was at work. <laughs> my mother's coming out of the ladies' restroom. Oh, Lord. As the cops are apprehending me <laughs> in the middle of the field. And so she just starts screaming and running. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. Cops are escorting me off the field. Like, they, they let me go. They didn't actually take me off handcuffs, but... As I was walking out, like the kids in the dugout were losing their mind. Like one kid was crying, I love you, coach. I love you, man. <laughs> and so anyway, they take me out of the bus. My mom's fussing. I'm like, Mom, it's my fault. It's okay. Like I should have been tossed. It's okay. Uh huh. And so anyway, I'm sitting on the bus. We end up pulling that game out. And you won. Yeah. We hey, won. so it worked. You got yeah. fired. They, up. they brought me the game ball and everything. It was, hey. It was um, so <laughs> man, we come, we come back. Hey, write and this the next down. Day. It was good stuff, man. We come back the next day. We win that game, and we did the same thing. Three, two more series. And we got to the final four. So we'd lose the first game big, come back, win the next two. Dang. But that was kind of a moment that got y'all were fired up. Right Man, there. I tell you, if I was here in Georgia at the time, y'all would have won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We would have won the whole thing. <laughs> this year, this is your year. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> That's uh <laughs> I, I, so uh, when y'all watch film, where did y'all did y'all film this one? Like, no, is there a copy that, that, but I that can... was actually you know there's a vent. There's like a Georgia sports vent out there, and apparently that story was chronicled on it. That's because like up. I talked to umpires and I'm like, yes, yeah, so I, you know, I did whatever, whatever, and I was like, yeah, I think so and so was at this game. I got tossed, and they're like, that was you. I, was like, <laughs> I have changed Love since it. then. Like since I've become a head coach, I have become much more mild mannered. Like I have to control myself now. Yeah. Because at that point, I was an assistant. I was kind of like the guy that creates relationships, gets fired up. Right. And, but you know, you have to change your role a little bit as you become a head coach. It, it changes, which is interesting. So, dang, what's that? Um. So you you mentioned a little bit about how, uh, in the classroom, you've seen those those relationships get built and that vulnerability happen. What, what shifts on the field? So how does that change when, you know, you have that group of guys that are passionate about the same thing you're passionate about, but you have to keep in mind that, you know, it's, there's another mission out here on the, on the field Mm -hmm. too. What what is that like for you? Yeah. So, you know, for me, I've really started trying to focus on goal setting for my guys Mm -hmm. and understanding that, there is there are things beyond baseball. Um, my line to them is that I want them to be, you know, the best community member, husband, and father that they can be one day. And, you know, I said number one is who you are as a person. Far, far, far below that is who you are as a baseball player. Mm. Um, you know, our, our founding, you know, ideas are we want faith, number one. You know, whatever that is. I don't, you know, say it's got to be in God or Christianity or whatever, but – you know, faith is number one. You got to believe in something greater than yourself um, to drive you, to to inspire you. And you know, after that's family, so faith, family, and then we got school, and then we got athletics, and then we've got social life. And you know, I'm like, if if you get that out of order, you're going to be out of luck. You know, if you go sports number one, if you don't end up playing a sport for your living then you don't have a relationship with your family. You don't have anything you believe in, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and, and you didn't get a good degree. So, you know, trying to teach these guys that there's a there's an order to things and don't just go about your life haphazardly, you know. And I think from my generation, you know, speaking for like 34-year-olds in that area, you know, we were the generation that was like go to college, go to college, go to college, go to college, go to college. If you do anything else, go to college. Like it's just like go to college, and so we did. But it was kind of like a, why are we going? That's because we're supposed to do what we're supposed to do. Um, Now I wouldn't change anything about what I did, but you know, having kids make goals for themselves um, and understanding that it's a it's about more than just what's what's right here. You know, it's about connecting with other people. It's about 
having a faith that drives you more than just looking at yourself in the mirror and, and thinking that's it. Um, because, I mean, we have such an issue, you know, just in general with our with our population, high school population of, you know, self-worth and self-esteem, things of that nature that if, you know, if they think it's about them, then they're always going to be disappointed, always. Because, I mean, you make so many dumb mistakes and decisions, you know, between the ages of 15 and 21. I mean, it's, it's That's crazy. For sure. So, I mean, but if they don't have something to ground themselves on, and we talk about, you know, I have a, um, like I said, Pastor Richards, Dustin Richards, who does a really good job about Baptist. Um, he comes in and does a devotional with our guys every Wednesday. And uh, Mike Wall with SCA also has, has worked with our guys too. And I think it's really important to put somebody in front of them every week. And, and of course, it's, it's voluntary. If they don't want to be in there for it, they don't have to be. Right. Um, but all the kids do. I mean, they, 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 they're in there. And so it you know, kind of speaks to what they're searching for, too. They're, they're looking for something, right? I mean, all these kids are looking for something that, that's greater than themselves to search for because it's just not – yourself is not going to be fulfilling in and of itself. So, you know, I guess, I guess with that, to try and, and direct them not necessarily to me but to someone like Pastor Richards or, you know, someone like that would – like I know Ryan, you know, Ryan Edwards does yeah. some devotional stuff with – local teams like Central and Carrollton and things like that. And so, you know, that relationship he has with those kids is immensely important. And I know Tucker Music, who um, I think is with uh, Southern Hills, yeah. he did a really good job when I was at Central of connecting with the, with, with the players there too. And so I think even more than me, um, the church's involvement with our, you know, high schools and middle schools athletically is incredibly important. Yeah. Um, because even more than what I can say, they listen to me all day. I mean, they hear me barking out orders all the time and telling them what to do and things like that. And, mm-hmm. But I think one of the most important things that I can tell them, you know, is that, is that I love them. And I think that means more than anything. Um, I don't know. It does. So, no, yeah. absolutely. Uh, as you said that, there's this moment. Because you're right, like a head coach, like there's this fine line that you walk as – trying to be vulnerable and care about your kids, but maintain that level of respect where when you got to make a call, you got to make a call. And um, I can remember when, like, my family is going through a lot with my parents getting a divorce and us moving around in homes and things. And I remember walking into the dug, uh, not the dugout, the uh, field house, playing football one year. And my my head coach, Coach mm-hmm. Barron, who's mm-hmm. at Villarica now, he – um he was waiting in his office for us and he just sat down and said, Hey man, like if there's anything you need, you call me. And my uncle was a coach, you know that Shane. Mm-hmm. And so he was in the room too. He's like, look, like if we could change it, we would, if you could live with us, you, we would, and we would take you in. And there was that moment where you realize like, Oh no, like this isn't, this is football. Yeah, we get it. We want to win on Friday night, but he genuinely cares about who I am and like mm-hmm. what I'm going through. And like, I don't remember the Friday nights anymore. Like, yeah. I don't remember. But I remember very clearly that day walking into the field house and, and having that conversation with my head coach when um, when all else, all that other stuff, like you said, all that's last. And when you can have that relationship with those those kids, man, like, that's that's the weddings, you know, you're going to mm-hmm. get invited to and, and those kind of things, man. Those, those things last a long time when kids know, oh, he does. He loves me. That's mm-hmm. what love is, is. He's willing to spend time when he could be catching up with the assistant coaches. He's spending with me. So mm-hmm. that's good, man. That's huge for yeah. those kids. That is it's it's really interesting to hear your guys' perspective on um, you know, being somebody who grew up playing sport at high school. Yeah. And somebody who's coaching sport at high school in the United States. It's very interesting for me, um, hearing your guys' perspective on american sports versus my experience growing up in the uk in the uk playing sports out there because playing sports out there it's very hands-off in terms of a like relationship wise i i wouldn't you know because coaches at my school weren't required to be teachers they were you know some of them were just coaches you know and um I would really only ever see them at practice if I had to. And then it was just them berating me for like three hours, you know, (laughs) trying to get them to be, trying to get us to be the best sports team they could possibly be. But in, you know, in all honesty, 
it didn't really feel to me like they necessarily cared about me as a person. They just wanted them, the, our team, to be the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can understand that from you know some perspective because I guess that's technically their job at the end of the day. But um, it's cool to hear. And this is something that I feel like I've experienced a lot more out here on this side of the globe um, in regards to the schooling system is there seems to be a lot more of an emphasis on giving kids an opportunity to pursue sport in a serious manner if they want to, but also making it clear that there are also things that are very, very important and should be focused on too. Like just the, the college system in and of itself kind of speaks to that. You know, if you want to be a professional footballer in England, soccer player, you have to be in an academy by like six years old. You know, if you're not in an academy when you're when you're basically a toddler, probably not going to make it. And, you know, then you're in that for basically the rest of your life and you're getting schooled with your teammates, you know, like all this kind of stuff. And if you, you know, at any point down that line, they don't think you're good enough, you're out. That's it. Game over. At least out here, you get a relationship built with your school and then they, if you want to be a professional, at least, the, you know, this is like the the uh, more accepted way of doing it now, you then go to college, you still have to, you know, you still have to go to school, you still have to get an education to stay on the team. You then, at that point, if you still keep going... You can get, you can become a professional. But if you don't, if you get to that point, you do your college career like many people do. You come out with it with a degree. It just, to me, it's just like it's just so much more important. I love, I love that aspect of it because you're actually building a person as opposed to just building an athlete, which I always find very, very interesting as like the the differences because it seems to me like the UK way of doing it is like we're gonna, you know, education, personality, you know, everything be like be darned. You're going to be an elite sports player. If you if you're not, then oh, oh well, unlucky for you. So. You know, I always just find that very interesting. But mm. was there anyone in your life, Brian? Who you know, you, you were talking about how you know you you're creating these relationship with these kids, and you know, like you know, hopefully get invited to some weddings and things one day. Is there anyone for you when you were growing up who was that 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 coach to you or that teacher to you? I know you mentioned your math teacher, but was there anyone mm. who really kind of hit hit that home for you? You know, my, my parents were always big-time influences for me. Um, my dad always coached my, my little league team growing up and things like that. Um, I think it was – because, I mean, I, I literally thought I was going to play in the major leagues because of my dad, like because he told me I was that good. <laughs> but I wasn't that good. I mean, I, I was not that good. And um, so, I mean, really – I had a, a coach that was a longtime coach at Bowden. He's actually in the Georgia Dugout Club Hall of Fame now. Just got inducted this year, Stan Davis. He coached me my freshman year and intense coach. Like, first time I ever got on the field, I went to shortstop trying to show off. And it was during BP batting practice. And a guy hit a ball to me and it went right through my legs. Just pulled up, went right through my legs. And like everything stopped. And I looked around and he's looking straight at me. Like, he was throwing batting practice. He looked straight at me. He's, he's like, if you're not going to do any better than that, get in the outfield. You know, it was, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, what is this, man? Like, I've always been told I'm the best. What the heck? Yeah. So, I go to the outfield, and there's this guy out there. His name's Sully. I love this guy. He's he's a junior that year, and he was like, don't worry, Vance. He said, that happened to me my freshman year, and I still ain't been back in the infield yet. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, anyway, I got back to the infield, ended up playing middle infield. But um, hey. that, was an, that was a cool experience to, to like, for the first time – like somebody have a high expectation of me mm-hmm. and be real with me. And so, you know, I didn't play a whole lot my freshman year. I played JV and uh, the next year Mark Huggins took over and I'd probably say he's my mentor um, as far as coaching goes. He's one I look to even now. He still teaches at the high school. He was my, my head coach, my three years I was there and really was the first one to tell me, Hey, you're probably not going to be playing like high college level ball. He's like, it's just not, just not your talent. He's like, I could get you a spot to play at what's now Point University. It used to be called Atlanta Christian College in, in Atlanta. So I went on a visit there, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to start my, you know, coaching career kind of thing. But to me, he's one that was real with me and mm. spoke straight up and created that relationship, knew who I was, 
um, you know, always told me how much he enjoyed me as a leader, um, as a person, and just really empowered me to be a leader. And uh, I'll never forget, he told me, he admitted one time, this was big time, because it was my junior year. Um, I had thought I was going to be in the top of the lineup and that kind of thing. Anyway, he, he batted me down toward the top to start off with. And later on that season, um, probably about three, actually probably about three games after that, he said, look, I was wrong. He said, you should be up here. He said, I'm sorry. I was like, wow, like honesty, you know. Yeah. I mean, just being real with me. And, and you know, I appreciated that, that about him. And to this day, he's my pitching coach now. So he was my head coach in high school, right? And he coached for, I think, a few more years after I graduated. And then he and his and his wife started having kids. And he wanted to have more time with them and made a decision. Family, you know, made a decision to step down from coaching. Mm-hmm. And he umpired a little bit, and then his son now is a freshman. And so I remember when his daughter was born and standing outside the, the you know the fence when I was playing. And uh, daughter is is a uh, um, is going to be a senior next year, and his son's wow. a freshman. And so anyway, I got his you know anyway talked him into being my pitching coach somehow. <laughs> I don't know how I did that, but he's my pitching coach and like tremendous asset to have on my staff. But he would be the guy that I would say. Um, really kind of mentored me when I was when I was young. Now, once I got into coaching, I had plenty of guys like Tommy Fountain, um, Tommy Knight, those kind of guys that were head coaches up in the area where I was, up in Jackson County. They really kind of took me under their wing and taught me a lot about coaching. Um, but I would say the guy that created a relationship with me and was real with me for the first time would have been would have been Coach Huggins, who I get to get to hang out with every day now. So that's cool. What yeah. about spiritually? So spiritually, um, man, you know, that, that's a little interesting for me because I don't really know that I understood what my job was as a Christian when I was in high school. Um, and spiritually, I don't, I don't really know that I had anyone. Now, they may have tried. Yeah. I just didn't see it. Right. But I don't know that I really had anyone that spiritually um, discipled or mentored me in high school, you know, thinking about it right now, I really don't know. Like I would say Coach Huggins was a very godly man, um, still is to this day. Like he is a barometer. I'm like, ask his opinion on stuff because it, it matters. Um, but to be honest, I don't know that I understood what 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 it truly was to be a Christian until later on. Um, I just, I thought it was looking the part. Like I'd always, mm-hmm. like I, I, I joke with my students sometimes and when I get to speak in front of kids I'll tell them I had a drug problem growing up I was drugged to church every Sunday <laughs> twice, but every Wednesday you know Bible school everything I was there because my yeah. parents were very involved and you know I was there all the time and so I looked the part like I looked the part like I knew how to walk in the doors and and look very Christiany yeah know? but you now I'd go into the schools and into the hallways and, and middle school was my time where I was like not the same person you see on Sunday. Like it was a very different person, very judgmental, pretty pretty hateful. Um, didn't have my priorities in the right place. Uh, really searching for my identity in middle school, which for us is sixth through eighth grade. Yep. Um, and that's a little different <laughs> over the over the ocean. But um, you know, for me, those were my four, those were my years where I really searched. Oh. And you know, thinking about it through high school, really, I just kind of settled in on, you know. I guess who I was as a, as a Christian, as far as looking the part, I mean, and I never really don't know that I tried to reach people in high school, like I should have. Mm. So, so spiritually wise, I would say I really didn't have a spiritual mentor probably till I was probably till I was in Athens, um, probably graduated probably around 2011 or so. Um, and a guy named Steve Smith, who really started investing in me um, as a as a Christian, as a man? Uh, started kind of teaching me, you know, what it was to pray, invited me to do prayer walks, things like that. And I really started kind of getting into what's this what's this whole discipleship thing. Um, started started leading devotionals with the team that I had up there as an assistant coach at that time. Would wait after practice. You know, anybody wants to stay, we're doing a devotional. Had some pretty emotional moments there, but you know, as far as as far as mentorship, that's that's kind of a, a tricky question. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, one thing you said in there, which I found really interesting, was this 
this idea of coming in and looking looking like the best Christian you possibly can, coming in every Sunday, coming in on Wednesdays. And I'm, you know, I'm painting with broad strokes here, but I think I'm confident in saying that I think we all as Christians have been there at least at points where, sure. where, you know, we're coming to church every Sunday, we're going to life group and, you know, outwardly we're looking like that person. And maybe on Sundays we are that person, but then when we go down the road and, go to the restaurant and we don't tip, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. or, uh, during the week we aren't that person. It can be really hard to, you know, remind yourself every single day of the week to be that. And if you're a teacher, if you're a coach, if you're a pastor or whatever, you know, people are looking at you and if they know you go to church, that's even tougher, um, to, to, to be the person who you claim you are on Sundays, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's especially in a profession like where you you have so many young people that are just sponges of mm-hmm. of humans, man. They just absorb everything and they count on and they they want those relationships. Like that's hard to it's hard to be vulnerable and say, "Oh, I'm going to trust this person with s- some more personal stuff." Like that's it's a that's a, a fine line for teachers. And so um, you know, you've you've almost got to maintain that to an extent, you know, um, just just part of your job. But um, I am so appreciative of those people. Like Brian Long's a great example of a teacher who, and Zach Janney, uh, two guys at Heard County that are great examples of that maneuvering that fine line. Um, when they saw a student like me that was like craving someone to mentor, somebody to to just show me the ropes and they opened up and and that kind of stuff so like there's definitely a line but man i'm thankful for all those that i sought after that said you know what bump the the image for a minute let me just be real so well i'm I'm gonna say too to that i think that people like me discount their story a lot yeah Um, because you know you go to you know different conferences super wow different youth conferences that you go to and all the stories that you hear are the ones of people that were like on drugs or came from broken homes and just came mm-hmm. from these situations and they got caught on fire for God and it's like I've never been there yeah. like I, I've never like my biggest issue is that I was basically a lukewarm Christian <laughs> which you can argue might even be worse than you know you know being an alcoholic Agreed. because I mean you know it's and to me, like it was, it was always a, a big time thing to where, I discounted my own testimony, yeah. of mm. of what I had gone through, not having been much, and I think that might be why I never really got mentored, is is because I didn't, it didn't really seem like I needed it, you know. I mean, it was like, oh, he's got it together. All right, let me go try this other kid. I don't know, yeah. um, because you know, for me, I see a lot of kids that are like me because we we have a lot of. We have a lot of really good kids at our school um, that that come from good homes, but we also have a lot of kids that don't. Yeah. Um, and I try to invest in all of them, but at the same time, it's kind of like I want to make sure these kids that think they're doing things the right way that they also get mentored and get told what they should be doing, yeah. and, and get shown not told but get shown in the Bible. You know, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be making disciples. When was the last time you walked through the hallway and spoke to someone that you know is not a Christ follower on purpose? Um, or, or even tried to hold somebody accountable who says they are. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of me. I would just walk through the hallways being like, I'm good. Like, yeah. <laughs> look at me. I yeah. mean, I've got it together kind of thing. And, you know, internally I didn't. That was... That was very, very hard to come to grips with once I started seeing kids in action, per se, when I started teaching. And I'm like, oh, that was what I looked like. Mm. Like that probably overconfident kid that seems like he's got it together, but really internally is like battling about what is this, what am I supposed to do as a Christian? Like, What am I supposed to do? There is a lot to be said about what you've just spoken to there, I think, because you're right. I mean, a lot of these big testimonies you hear from people are about they've come to this you know this absolute conflection 
what's the freaking word? Uh, just like, a, you know, a point of no return in their lives yeah. where God has stepped in and that's when they had that, you know, come to Jesus moment, right? Mm-hmm. But not everyone is like that, you know, you know, yourself included. Um, and that's why I think it's so cool that we get to do this right here, right now. You know, we get to have you on, we get to have you sharing your story and, you know, all these amazing things that you're doing right now. It doesn't have to just come from a, you know, you don't have to necessarily be at the very bottom of the barrel to be picked up by Jesus, you know, like Jesus is there for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's just what you do once you have him in your heart. That's the important thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and we can look and act in many, many different ways, but you're a coach and you can see those kids who might not necessarily be the ones who are going to see the school counselor every day, but who come to you and say, Hey, you know what coach, even though, you know, my home life is, you know, pretty fine. They don't necessarily come and talk to you about that. You actually are the, one of the only teachers here who listens to me and I feel heard by. That's super, super important because they might not necessarily feel heard by the person who comes in to church and tells them about their drug problem and how they got saved because that might not speak to them. Mm. But somebody who just asks them every day how they're doing and, you know, do you need a hand with something? Do you want somebody to talk to you about anything? You're that guy for them. I think that's super, super powerful and really important. And I think that I, I can personally take a lot from that, you know, reaching out to people, like you said, who may walk down the corridor at church and don't look like they need somebody to say hi or give them a fist bump or whatever, but maybe they do. That's really good. Really important. I think, I think they definitely do. Yeah. They definitely need that. I think we, yeah, I think we underestimate that. Yeah. A lot. I know I do when I got something on my mind, I got to go do it and they just need a smile. They just need someone to know that they care. Especially, you know, when you got to go flick that live stream on it, uh, and then sprint back and then, you know, <laughs> go run a camera and you do all yeah. that fun stuff on a Sunday. <laughs> it's about the people. Someone's like, hey, Connor. You're like, oh, oh God. You know, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> it's about the people. Um, that That's because I think it's the first time we came here um, to Midway, my wife and I, we had just moved back. It was 2016. Um, the church was going through some interesting things at that time. Uh, Rex Pear had just passed away, who, whom we didn't know. We'd never met him. Um, but I know that happened, and then it was like Todd's celebration of so many years being here, and so there was a lot of things going on, and we came in that summer, and it was the first summer of the Summer of Psalms, you know, back when, and we, I, I just remember, I just remember crying every service <laughs> for the first, like, three months that we came here. Wow. Dang. Um, that's a lot of emotion. Yeah, and, and and it wasn't like the whole service, so like we weren't like walking out dehydrated, but it was like, <laughs> you know, something in the service got us in the message got us moved and and we've talked about that numerous times and I think it was the first time that we were actually presented with what the mission is, which is to go and make disciples. Mm-hmm. And it's like before that it was just so cloudy. You know, I would do a devotional with players, but I wasn't discipling them Mm. per se. Like I was sharing the gospel. I was sharing a a Bible story and then hoping they would respond, which sometimes they did. And then we would pray. I'd teach them how to pray. We'd we'd do prayer walks, like that kind of thing. But I guess you could look at that as discipling, but I didn't know I was doing that. I just thought I was sharing a little devotional and then moving on. Maybe they'll pick it up. Maybe they don't. Um, But it's the first time we really heard about what is discipleship? What does it look like to share the gospel and then go walk alongside people while they're learning how to do it themselves? Um, And it was, it was so powerful for us to just hear that preached from the pulpit, you know, from the stage. And, you know, we were immediately hooked, immediately hooked. Um, and, And just the mission of the church, you know, and, and, and then, we kind of liked the fact that we could sneak in and out and nobody knew who we were because it's such a big church. And then I was like, well, hang on a second. We're supposed to be Uh-oh. discipling, <laughs> you know, like, well, hang on. What, what got us so emotional? We're not even doing it. And so, you know, we jumped into a life group and then it really became real. It's like, okay, this big church can actually seem really small um, by creating relationships with people. Yeah. And so, I mean, for That's you to say all it's about. all about the people like that, 
that's what clued. I mean, that's what clued us in, you know, immediately. So you're about, about to celebrate people. some of that stuff, man. With oh, yeah. Dave shared with you guys having the conversation, timelining of yeah. of a branch coming up for your it's life. Exciting, career, man. man. It's it's, it's uh, exciting and sad. Yeah, birthing is painful. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, <laughs> not I'm that sure. we three men would know no, anything no about idea. that. But you know, the mothers, <laughs> the mothers out yeah, it's there, super painful, man. They would understand. They yeah. would understand that birthing is painful. Um, you know, we've got four awesome awesome couples that are in our group that all came in around the same time around the same age and it's 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 almost like god kind of built it for a branch and uh you know just it's hard because they're all awesome and they input great hey, into our group stop. and uh you know it's and Dave's gonna co-lead that and it's gonna be amazing um and you know it's they're gonna be launching in august and we've got kind of some steps to disciple and to to co-lead together over the next um few months and so it's gonna be really cool really cool it's exciting, man. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's a great way to 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 think about how all this kind of fits together in the sense of you know teaching or trying to build relationships in life group or pastoring or whatever. Like, um, it seems like so, there's especially I'm guessing from the outside like there's such a job description like hit all these bullet points and yep. you know make sure you got your stuff. But at the end of the day, man, like. Tomorrow's going to be different mm-hmm. than it was today, and you're, you're going to find yourself in more moments where it's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm reaping some of those moments where I was learning and growing in the past to where now, you know, you're branching a life group, and you're having students lead in prayer for their for their teachers, um, and you're seeing those things, but it's, you, you don't look back and see those Oh yeah, through you know, November, November to C- December, we saw this huge. We did this huge campaign for growth and spiritual realm for our students. Like, it was the daily mm-hmm. grind of building that relationship with them and and maintaining the. We're keeping the main point, the main point of let's keep this focused and on mission and um, and if you do that every day, man, where it's just choosing to do that, choosing to take that next step of. It's cloudy sometimes, but um, we know the mission and we know the purpose. And uh, and now we get to see other people grab that and feel invited into that. Yeah. And and now they can start yep. joining us. Well, so I, I, I think we get a bad name a lot as Christians. And I, and it's, it's our own fault. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, a lot of times, you know, people be like, you know, pray for me. Oh, I'll pray for you. Do we? Thoughts and prayers. Do we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, you reading your Bible? Yeah. Are you? You know, it's like, are we being hypocritical about mm. what we believe? And I think that's something that really challenged me probably, I guess, within the last three years, really, um, trying to read through the Bible and get myself in a routine so that I'm built for what the day has, yeah. you know, and challenging myself because I'm not, I'm not really an extroverted person. Like, I'm a little more introverted than I've made myself be an extrovert because that's how you create relationships with people. And, mm. uh, and, and so, you know, it's, it's not comfortable for me, but it's one of those things to where I know that's how you reach other people. And, you know, when somebody says, Hey, will you pray for me? Just doing it on the spot, you know? And I'm like, that terrifies me. Yeah. Oh because boy. Because it's like, yeah. you know, somebody brand new that I'm like, I don't really know you a whole lot, but you know, you want me to pray for you. And, you know, it, it just, to me as Christians, I think we can model better what Jesus did and I should I should Agreed. use I statements. Uh-oh. I should model better, you know, uh, what Jesus did. And I think as a Christian, and, you know, speaking of students, you know, a lot of them will think, you know, you go to church and they write you off because of what they've experienced in the past. Yep. And I try not to be like, yeah, I go to church and throw that out there because I, I I want them to create a relationship with me, without that being a barrier. Yeah. You know, and so it's just so important. Um, for those relationships to happen, you know, and, and just to love people. Yeah. You know, I think right now in our society, obviously we're, we're lacking that a little bit. Um, but just loving people, loving kids, loving mm-hmm. everybody that's around you. That's what life group's all about, yep. you know, loving on people and encouraging people and just, uh, just making a, an impact day to day. So real so life ministries has a, uh, that's the church that we model our life group or life group model after. They have that mission, that vision uh, that they're going to reach uh, or they're going to share the good news of Jesus one person at a time. 
And to really fathom that, like mm. their church is like eleven thousand people in life groups. Holy moly! Yeah, dude, it's nuts. And so, <laughs> but th- to them, like the reason that they've seen that scale is because people have caught on that. Oh, we don't have to sit and preach to three thousand people. Mm-hmm. We've got to reach this one person mm. right now. Yep. And yep. that just, you know, multiplied. And the it, painful part about that is you have to lose people. That's also <laughs> the yeah. exciting part about it is yeah. because now. You know, Dave and, and all the, they're going to go and they're going to create this new big life group. And then that life group's going to branch and they're nope. going to reach, they're going to reach even <laughs> more people. That life group is going to branch. Yep. <laughs> I'll stick it over him. Absolutely. Multiply, but not multiply. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, right. I, I think that's a great stopping point. We, uh, we talked about a lot of great stuff tonight. Um, I've really, really enjoyed this chat. It's always cool to get different perspectives, different walks of life. Having a teacher and a coach at the same time is uh, certainly some unique perspectives on things, especially with the kids. Um, That's not something I'm familiar with and something I wish I had had a lot as a kid. So, um, hey, when, uh, uh, when do you guys play normally? Just in case anybody who's listening to this wants to come and support you. It'll be... Any time between February the fifteenth uh, and the end of April. Is there a place they can like so, find a schedule or something? Yeah, they can go to BowdenBaseball.com. dot com. All right, yeah. I'll be there for one game at least. We're gonna have our life group descend. Proper rowdy night. It's gonna be life group. You night. can wait for it to warm up a little bit if you want to. <laughs> hey, we'll make it warm. There you go. There you go. <laughs> It'll be a party. It'll be great. We're gonna bring a boombox. <laughs> do walkout. Do you have walkout music? We do. We do. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> Dave's gonna hijack it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about MCs? Do you have an MC, like a, a, yes. an announcer? Yes, we do. Can mm-hmm. I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that at Bowden High School. Uh, a man with an English accent. Here's my, that's what I'm wondering. Do I go like super posh, or do I just like proper like London? Like up next, we've got this. Whatever that is. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Alrighty, well, um, if you made it this far, thank you so much for uh, for listening. I don't know how long we've been going, but over an hour, I think. Um, really personally enjoyed it. Uh, if you've if you've listened to the other episodes, um, thank you again. If you haven't, go check those out. We've got one with Co- that Connor and I did, one with uh, Pastor Luke, which we do still need to follow up on, um, and then uh, episode three was with uh, Mackenzie Pear. Um, another great episode. So if you haven't listened to those, go listen to those. Um, if you are enjoying our podcast, um, you know, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever it is. Feel free to send Connor and I a message. You can even message Brian. Um, I'm, I'm telling you, you can do this. Come on. on. (laughs) And you know, if you're a member of our church, come say hi. Uh, we're often hanging around or doing live streams or whatever. We, uh, we would love to talk to you guys. And if anyone has any questions about anything that they've heard or, anything unsolicited feel free to uh connect with us because that's kind of why we're trying to do this and been getting some good fat feedback so far so uh we're going to keep at it but thank you again brian oh, yeah. for joining us. it's been a great time you, y'all are awesome any final comments it. from either of you i really enjoyed listening to the other three episodes hey that thanks. have already come out so you guys are doing a great job i appreciate you guys having me no yeah. thank you yeah man thanks for what you do got it man make a big point anything connor that's it man all right it's a wrap it's late, so we'll let you guys get home to your wives. And my wife. I am married. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and have a wonderful evening, morning, afternoon, wherever you are. Peace out.